Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the latest episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about Barcelona and Jules Koundé. Is that how it goes, guys? I think for the rest of the season, we should change it to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, fuck Barcelona and fuck Jules Koundé. We'll just kind of start there. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're back. Second episode of the season, guys. I guess I'll just kind of start with you, Sam. Um, since you chimed in first, how are you feeling today? Do you see my face, Zach? Does this look like a happy face right now? Looks like a handsome face, but not a happy face. Well, yeah, that's a given. But <laughs> I'm, I'm. This was been. This has been a really bad week for Chelsea. It's been a really bad week between the the fumbled transfers to the. In, embarrassing 4-0 loss to Arsenal. I don't care if it's preseason. I wanted to win that game, and it was just bad. Um, and also the loss to Charlotte FC. Let me, let's me let not forget that. We lost to an MLS team in penalties, but my God, this is, this is shaping up to be a rough season, I think, and I'm not looking forward to it. Andres, how are you feeling? Uh, I've cooled off a little bit since the Arsenal match. I am going to be a little bit more critical after Udinese. I think that this U.S. tour, PR tour that was scheduled by the old ownership is just a, what do you call it when it's like a scheduling mess? Like, I think it's just a lot of flying, a lot of different time zones, not enough time just focusing in the football because they wanted to spread themselves too thin. And on top of that, they're trying to sell off Marina's failed exits where nobody wants them, which means that people we don't want to see on the pitch are on the pitch. So Udinese... Huh? Yeah, I mean, we they're, they're at one year left, so people don't really want to pay for that unless they're interested in their talent. So yeah, I think... I'm feeling a little bit better. I think that this next weekend, after they've had a full week at Cobham and they'll play Udinese, I think that'll be my real judgment. I don't want to put too much weight on guys that look like they're jet-lagged on the pitch. I agree to a certain extent. Um, My frustration was mostly at the fact that if we don't have the players on the pitch that are quote committed or you know ready to play for Chelsea then 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 why are why the fuck are they playing and traveling at all I would rather see a bunch of academy kids go out there and get the experience and get the match fitness as opposed to fucking Michi Batshuayi as opposed to Timo Werner as opposed to Hakim Ziyech like they're just guys that clearly don't want to be there so I'm kind of chalking off the performance on that I kind of side with Tuchel on that front um, but overall, I, I do think that having a good preseason is completely conducive to having a good season in general. So with that being said, why we're not taking the preseason as seriously as we should is kind of beyond me. And granted, the, the transfer business wasn't necessarily our fault. There's external factors with that. Obviously, the new ownership is teething problems. 
obviously there's a lot of players in the club that don't want to be there. You have the traveling. There's a bunch of different factors for it. But for me, the frustrating part is that we just keep seeing the guys that don't want to be here get the time in preseason. If It just doesn't make sense to sort of fit them into the squad if they're not going to commit to us. So in some ways, why the fuck should we commit to them? That's just yeah. kind of where I stand on everything. And to, to play a little devil's advocate and something you said, you said that how you perform in preseason shows you how you perform during the season more, more so more. I want to elaborate on that. Cause it's, I was alluding more so to like the mindset as opposed to the actual, obviously we're going to have teething problems and fitness issues, but it's more Ooh. the mindset. Like we got to go out there and, and still kill teams. We can't just go and fucking gallivant around. Yeah. I mean, just to point out, I think it was the, the really crappy United team, not this past one, but the one previous that like, totally fell out of, of top four won every single of one of their preseason matches and then the last time we won the premier mm-hmm. league i think we had less than a 50 percent win percentage in preseason i'm not saying we're gonna magically win the premier league i think again udinese when we're fully practicing a cobham for a full week you know we will or should see a starting 11 for 45 minutes maybe more then i'll worry because again we will not see Connor Gallagher in a double pivot most likely during the season. We will not see Timo Werner forcing Kai Havertz to play right wing and forcing Raheem Sterling to play at a number nine at some point during the core part of the season. Like we didn't even see Ben Chilwell and Reese James at the same time in the last two matches. So like I think like I said, I think this Saturday will give us a better picture. We need like 16 17 players to trust and right now we haven't even decided who those 16 players are according to Tuchel so I agree with like what you said that the sentiment of what he was talking about in these matches is correct um but we'll get to those specific quotes here in a second I just think like I'm not gonna let myself get too down there's I think five weeks left in the window three weeks left till the season starts two weeks left till the season or like starts. two yeah yeah so everton lost four nil we have to to minnesota wild not to arsenal who's played five games of preseason before us so please don't compare us to everton right now i'm just saying that's the first <laughs> gonna, match are we going to be in a relegation battle <laughs> no 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 i'm just saying that our first match if any should be one that we can handle also uh to to what you guys said about preseason form translating into a winning start. Um, I'm looking at a chart right now and it's comparing on the X axis win percentage in the, in preseason games and on the Y axis win percentage in the first 10 premier league games. And I know like win percentage is not the best indicator, I guess for a, you know, a league that gives points off draws as well. But yeah, like the in last year, we we did well in preseason. We won eighty percent of our games, and then it was in twenty eighteen nineteen where we only won twenty percent of our preseason games. We won around seventy five percent of our first ten games. So it looks like seven of our first ten. Um, say it, it. The trends are the same, where we don't do well in preseason and we have a hot start. So it's easily mm-hmm. possible for us to look better, but man, I 
I don't see the options in that front line that give me any hope this upcoming season. I, mean, I know we're going to me... talk about center back, but like, there's no one in that front line that gives me hope other than Mason Mount, who might even play more in midfield this season. Let me ask you guys something. Since you mentioned that song, just a random question popped into my head. And I never really thought about this before, but I think I know the answers. Where would you rank Chelsea's front three among the Premier League? Obviously, Sixth. Man City and Liverpool are ahead. Tottenham is ahead. Sixth. Fifth or Who else sixth is ahead at best. Us? City, Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal. Arsenal. And, and it depends on, on what United can deploy. Okay. United's probably better. So I so, mean, uh, if you look at just the numbers, I think Ronaldo will probably outscore all our front three. If unless again, Udinese, when we get the, the the right front three with the right midfield, who knows? Again, I don't. I don't. A back four, like again, it's just like the the combinations of players that were chosen in these matches. There was always disconnect. It was like, okay, we're gonna put the front three. But then we're going to force Connor Gallagher to command a midfield. Well, what about when he's, have, when he's outnumbered? Or what about have Emerson, who could possibly be an option at wing back, play center back? At center back, right? Yeah. There's, there's all these random things going on. I don't understand You're those. But what I was going to say, Alonso that doesn't even want to be there instead in the position that Emerson should be getting minutes in. Like it's just, yeah. it's crazy. But Saul mentioned last season we had an 80% win percentage in the preseason. Last season, we also stayed in London for the preseason. We played Arsenal, mm. we played Tottenham, and we played, I don't remember who the third team was, but they were all within London. Like, we played the, the charity series is what they called it. So we stayed home. Zero travel, just buckle down and work. So I'm hoping this week at Cobham is going to wake these guys up. And again, I need to see, like, let us see the starting 11. Just let us see it. 45 minutes. I don't need anything else. Just let me see what this team that's supposed to mesh will look like together. Because, again, putting a front three that you think may be, some called it SMH, Mount, Sterling, and, and Havertz. But giving them zero way of getting the ball doesn't show us a damn thing. Yeah. So I, it's just like I'm waiting because, you know, you mentioned dismantling teams. And Arsenal was able to put in, their honestly, their strongest 11 that's healthy right now against us. I saw Man City play a very strong 11 against Club America last week because they already are finished products, right? We've we've talked about it before. Your Liverpools, your cities have players that Tuchel or not Tuchel, excuse me, Klopp and Pep signed. So it's mm -hmm. just like they're just working out the kinks while we're still three targets away from getting yeah. the window Tuchel wants. That's the thing. The The front lines that all of those other teams are playing are their front lines. It's not even just the front line. That whole Arsenal team that started against us, you can see that team starting in the Premier League if they're having right-back issues because Ben White started at right-back. That was the only <laughs> abnormality about that lineup. Everyone else was playing where they should. They were playing in that same 4-2-3-1 that they always play in. It, nothing changed. Man City, same thing. Their style of play is exactly the same. They just added talent to their squad. Now, you look at Liverpool, same thing. They got their transfer targets early in Nunez. They already had Luis Diaz who settled in well. So they should be set on their end. Tottenham, I didn't even think they needed the strength in their front three after picking up Kulajewski, but 
Now all of a sudden they have Richarlison as well. So like all and of these Perisic. other teams that are going to be in and around us are already there. Like these are we already know what to expect. We already know what players are going to have. We already know how they're going to play. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's dead set. And my point is, look at our lineup. We have fucking dead weight in our starting lineups of preseason still. And it's just like these remnants of these terrible signings since the last time he won the title. But regardless, if we want to build something, especially for Tuchel, we need us. We need to get rid of the dead weight. We need to start playing the guys that are actually going to have a chance to play during the season. I don't give a shit if that means we bring in an academy player to fill in a spot, you know, to, to play wing back in the preseason for us while we're looking for transfer targets. Who gives a fuck? Timo Werner shouldn't be playing. Ziyech shouldn't be playing. Like. It's just, it's, just it's, it's madness, dude. It drives me up the fucking wall. This I'm trying to be patient about this whole thing, too. And I know it's preseason, and I'm still being level-headed. I know we can turn it around, and who knows? Maybe we sign two players next week, and all of a sudden we're title favorites overnight. Who knows? But right now, at this point in time, it's fucking frustrating because the summer has just gone completely opposite and wayward of how we expected it to go. And, 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 and with that being said, sorry to cut you off again, Sam. I, I just think I, I think our ambitions for the season should be changed based on the way the window has gone. We're not fighting for the title anymore. We're fighting for top four again. Are you good? Can I, can I talk now? <laughs> yeah. I, just, <laughs> I, I know. I, I'm, I feel you, bro. It's 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 frustrating. What I was going to say is this preseason – is making me wonder what I ever saw in Timo Werner. I mean, <laughs> honestly, that that Arsenal match was probably one of the most frustrated I've ever been watching a player. He was so awful, man. He was so bad. He wasn't even trying. And I, I just, I, I want to get rid of him as soon as possible. I know there's rumors with him and... And Juventus, there's rumors about him and Newcastle now. Uh, There's a third team as well, Uh, Leipzig, considering bringing him back in. Good for him. I hope he goes back. Um, But, yeah, get this man off my team right now. (laughs) I'm over him. And, And the whole Kai Havertz thing, too. I mean, he hasn't looked good either. I mean, it's it's so frustrating because... Aesthetically, he looks great. Like he's he's so calm on the ball. You know, he has great touches and you know, like just like plays with a lot of like finesse and calmness and just like if we're gonna play him a striker this year, he's gotta become a better finisher. I mean it's just like it's it's that simple. Right now we're 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 begging the board to keep Armando Broja on the side because we're afraid that without him, we're not going to have enough strikers. Like that's, that's the position we're in right now. And it is not good. And we're, we're far off. Like you said, Zach, we're, we're not competing for the title this year. We are far off from Liverpool and city. Um, I mean, Tuchel even said so himself. There was a quote from him saying, given our games, games today, we should not mention the two teams in front of us. We got absolutely beaten by a team that does not play Champions League football and is far ahead of us. 
So shout out to Tuchel taking shots at Arsenal after a 4-0 loss. I love it. Um, but, yeah, it worries me. It really does. Uh, I mean, is it too soon to ring the alarm bells and just, like, like are you guys as worried as I am, Andres? No. I mean, I'm, I'm more... I'm not worried about Arsenal. I'm not worried about United. I'm worried about, honestly, Spurs because Conte added players, and it's not like he added players that are stepping into his eleven. He added depth to make sure that his eleven can, you know, prolong their kind of form throughout the season, and you don't have your Harry Kane's missing ten matches and so on and so forth. I think Arsenal beat us. I mean, if you watch the game, two of the goals were just ridiculous, dumb mistakes at the back. I also think that their their team completely drops levels the moment their starting 11 isn't on the pitch. And I know we're talking about our dead wood, but if we put Cho into a game in the front three, our our team performance overall shouldn't drop massively. You know, if, if um, <clears throat> Chalaba steps into a back three, our our team shouldn't drop massively like little things like that. I mean, you, you have two midfield spots and you're going Conte, Kovacic, Jorginho are the main ones. RLC did an okay job, you know, filling in that role a little bit last season. So I just think like, get rid of those players that we discussed, your Mishis, your Barclays and all that. And our depth is still decent. It's not great. I still think it's better than the pretenders, your arsenals, your United's if you want to keep West Ham up there. So you have to remember, we have to build the 38 match season. I do think more will come. Koulibaly looked amazing. So that's something to, to think about that once he's fit, it would be having him and Tiago at the back plus one. It's not bad. I have yet to see Jorginho and Kovacic play with the wingbacks and the front three. So I haven't even seen that team that dominated the Premier League in the fall. So... I'm not saying alarm bells yet because we still have a few weeks to add the the missing pieces, but it definitely is not going to be the season that we are pushing Liverpool or city in that top three, unless, unless we just magically click like we did last fall and everybody stays healthy and, and our starting 11 gets to play most of the premier league. Like a lot of things have to go right for us to be like, yeah, we're right there. We're in the conversation. I don't think that's the mm-hmm. case. I think very much in a top four battle. And But I'm not ringing the alarm bell like, oh, we're a Europa League. Like Tuchel's going to be gone by December. Like I'm not buying into any of that. I think this window just got complicated by, a, well, the sanctions taking forever. Then, you know, Boley and, and Tuchel are in two different countries at points trying to, to sign players. And then you have Barcelona, who is just drugging people into agreeing to pay cuts and, and magically pulling uh, loan sharks out of their ass to pay for everything. So in a different window, we would have had four out of five targets. I think it's just been just not our summer. And I hope that that kind of changes now that the team is back in, back in England. Let's talk about that back line real quick. Um, we got to start off with the failed Kunde transfer. Um, we agreed with a fee uh, of a fee with Barcelona over a week ago at 55 million plus add-ons, and 
we did agree on personal terms with Kunde last year, but he held out now to join Barcelona. And um, now Barca and Sevilla are in talks. Apparently we've we've pulled out. It's, th- it's the third time Barcelona's fucked us th- this window. If you want to count the Dembele um, re-signing, I mean, he was as good as gone, and somehow they convinced him to stay. Rafinha, that one hurt, and I think this Kunde one hurt a little bit more because the Kunde one seemed like it was a done deal a long time ago. Um, and now I love how the tone has completely switched on him saying he's too short to play in our back three. <laughs> like, I love it. I, I agree a hundred percent, but now we're looking at other options. Andreas, you mentioned before that Chalaba would slot in, in that back three at, at this point, it's looking like he's going to be starting our right center back. Um, if we don't get another person, but Zach, I'll start off with you. Um, with Kunde now out of the picture, who do you want the club to target as an alternative? Um, I mean, I, if Kimpembe is off the table, I'd probably go with Milan Skriniar um, of Inter Milan. Um, I mean, the guy just has the experience. I know other names like Gavardio have been thrown out there, who, in my opinion, if we're going to go after a young left-sided defender, you're... Andres alluded to it before the podcast. I'm going to steal your point here, but give you credit. It blocks the pathway for Colwell, for one. But then also you're taking a chance on a player that's unproven in the Premier League. And I really only had, what, one and a half good seasons in the Bundesliga. So not as experienced as a Kimpembe or Skriniar type or even a Fafana type, who we've also been linked with, who has the Premier League experience. And we know he can do it in, um, in the Premier League. So Skriniar, obviously... Played in the back three at Inter Milan. He played on the right-hand side, and I believe he started 35 of 38 games, so he could, he has the ability to stay available. You know, 27 years of age, he's in the peak of his prime, and, you know, even though he goes and um, – or goes, even though he has a different, um, you know, player kind of profile to, you know, Kunde in terms of playing style, he's bigger, um, you know, he – doesn't necessarily carry the ball as well as Kunde does, but his range of passing is just as good. You know, it's it it makes me feel a little bit more comfortable, I guess. You know, for one, Kunde is smaller. That was a concern. And the fact that we are kind of backing out of the deal now, even though Barca fucked us on one hand, but like you said, Sam, the the concern about his height is legitimate. I think that just points to how Kunde could have possibly been an Abramovich target and maybe not necessarily a Tuchel slash Bowley target. So maybe it's a good thing that this is happening. You know, maybe we're kind of avoiding a potential failure here, but it really depends on who we pick up in the meantime. You know, if, if, if we don't buy somebody good enough to kind of slot right into that starting 11, I don't think it's worth buying to be completely honest with you guys. So um, Milan Skriniar is going to be my pick. Experience, international experience, uh, club experience, international experience. He's 27, so he's ripe. Champions League experience. I mean, he kind of ticks every single box out there. And from what I've seen, similar-ish price range to Kunde would be around, you know, the 55 to 70 million mark. So I say that's our pick. Um, 
before I choose my pick, I just want to say I think the whole thing about him being too short is just our way of saying like, oh, we pulled out. It wasn't that we lost the transfer. I think that's just PR bullshit. I really do. I do agree that Kunde was for sure a former board target because he was somebody we were trying to get last season. And then Sevilla kind of moved the flag post. We met their valuation and then they're like, no, 10 million more, 10 million more, which led to Kunde just trying to be patient. Sanctions happened. We went quiet. He got injured. We went quiet again, tried to get Ake, tried to get Deligged, got Koulibaly. Like Tuchel and Boli went for other people when Kunde was waiting for us, reportedly still. And then when we ran out of all those targets, we suddenly went back in for him and, and tried to pretend like, oh, we were always in for you, buddy. So I think while Barcelona did come in and, and swoop last second somehow again with their magic money, I think we kind of shot ourselves in the foot. If Kunde truly was a target all along, it would have been done. I think right now it's a little bit of a cop out to always be, oh, it was the hype. It was the hype. We pulled out because we suddenly, two weeks into looking into him, found out he's short. So I think that's just the, a bit of PR attempt from the club. Um, with that said, definitely we need one more center back. I personally think Skriniar is a good shot from Zach. Koulibaly primarily plays on the left side. Skriniar primarily plays on the right side. Both are proficient in a back three and a back four. Um, with Skriniar being 27, like Zach said, and, and Koulibaly being in his early 30s, they can be mentors to your Chalabas, to your Colwills, to your uh, Ampadus, and they buy you time for whoever you want to have next. I, I want to give a shout as well to Kimpembe. So with, with Kimpembe, he is left-footed. Uh, Koulibaly can't play on the left, but he's right-footed. So this would kind of give us a different dimension. You ha- you can have Kimpembe on the left, Thiago in the middle, Koulibaly on the right. In a back four, you can shift Koulibaly over to the right side, Kimpembe on the left. Um, again, a guy that's in his late 20s can come in, get some success elsewhere, and then it still does not block your next generation. He will be a little bit more expensive, and I know that he said he didn't want to go to PSG, but PSG is also going after Skriniar, and PSG also is about to confirm the Nord Mukiele signing, who is also a center-back, full-back hybrid, which why would Mukiele go from starting at Leipzig to just rotting in a bench behind Marquinhos, Kimpembe, and Ramos? I'm, You never know. They, they said that they would never force Kimpembe out, but I also know that Luis Campos is trying to lower the wage bill and Kimpembe could be one of those guys that, you know, kind of bites the bullet because of it. So, you know, if you want to finally have a left-footed guy in the back line, I think he would be a good fit um, in terms of an alternative to Kunde. For me, and I know this would be an insanely pricey buy. Wesley Fofana, I know those rumors have been brought up. I mean, I don't see him leaving for, you know, less than 80 million pounds, I think. That's, that's probably the range that, that that's being discussed right now. Um, but, you know, his name versus the other names that were rumored against he's actually Premier League proven 
And in my opinion, I think that he would be worth the 80 million pound uh, transfer fee because I think he's more of a sure thing than anyone else. And it would assure us of having by far the best back line in the whole Premier League. Um, the the screen ER links are great. I mean, I've, I've seen screen ER links and I've seen for some reason Dumfries as well being being talked about. I'm not a huge fan of the Dumfries move. Uh, I mean, for the price that we would probably have to pay for him, uh, he wouldn't be a backup. He would be starting a right wing back, and it would ultimately probably bring our search for a right center back uh, to an end, and meaning slotting Reese James as right center back. And yeah, he's great at that, but Reese James at right wing back is probably. Uh, maybe our second best, if not our best player. So I'm not I'm not in favor of that move. But if we if Todd Bowley, like it would take a lot of balls for him to make a purchase like that, eighty million pounds for for a center back, which is like, I mean, when was the last time a center back went for that much? Uh, Delict. Delict to buy Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that, that that that's it. But I mean, I you you hit the nail on the head. Like Fofana was somebody that before his ACL turn had like the sky was the limit kind of thing. He he forced his way into that Leicester side. I mean, they beat us in the FA Cup final. He was pushing for to compete with the likes of Kimpembe for a spot in the national team for France. So yeah, I mean, it's just. Here, here's another thing that people aren't talking about in the transfer window, right? Bowley doesn't have uh, like a negotiating history and, and relationship with any club right now. Like we had a working relationship with Leicester at one point. We bought Conte, we bought Drinkwater, we bought Chilwell. We had good faith kind of thing. Like it, it was a good talking relationship with, with under Roman's regime and Marina. Now Bowley's an unknown factor. So even though there's reports that he brings a kind of a fresh air, it still takes a little bit, I think, of extra work for him to get these deals across. So if he pulls this one off, that'd be wild. And I mean, they didn't give us any. One. They didn't really give us any bargains, like uh, the Danny and Drinkwater and, Golo, and the Chilwell. And Golo was like thirty mil. Yeah, the Angola one was was a was a great signing, but yeah. Chilwell and. Uh, Danny Drinkwater, they they didn't give yeah, us any Ch- discount. Chill will probably force his way out, but but my, my point remains like Fofana's twenty one. He wouldn't be blocking Colwell because he's right footed, and so you would think that he'll play in the middle or the right side or in a back four on the right side. Colwell eventually the left side. So I think that this would paying the eighty million if we do pull the trigger is a like a long term investment. I wouldn't think about it as like a. It, it would take a lot of balls, like you said, because again he's not what you would expect to to make an immediate impact like a like a vet in Kimpembe or or your screening arc but I I still like that move yeah I was um I was actually gonna say and this is I don't know if this is a hot take or not but I would I would rather go after Fofana at 80 million than go after Cavardio at whatever the 65 70 million range that he's valued at 
I think Fofana will be the safer bet of the two by far. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Yeah, Maybe we, I mean, it's just a recency it. bias because we've seen him do well in the Premier League, you know, obviously prior to the break, but he's also 21 and the type of break he had didn't necessarily ruin, you know, his ankle or his knee structurally. It was more just the bones and that was healed <laughs> I up. I thought it was so. an ACL tear. It was an was ACL, it? I thought. Yeah. Oh, it was an ACL. T- I, why did I think he clean? I thought he broke his leg. I thought he snapped it. I, I remember it being like a disgusting tackle, but I think it was yeah. just an ACL tear. It was okay. in the preseason last year. Yeah. But yeah. The, the I mean, thing I was going to say, Zach, you talk about the this versus the Gavardio because they're both super young. You mm-hmm. have to think the Gavardio is like a kind of like a high. It's also got a lot of high risk because. If you sign Gavardio, we lose Colwell. Like 100% sure. he's on the 100%. spot. So then it's – you have to sign him and then you also have to sign another player because you lose your depth. With Fofana, it's like you add a guy and you're not losing somebody in the back door. So that's something it, else to think about. It, it makes more sense to sign a more experienced player because, I mean, we also got to think about this. Thiago Silva's probably gone next season. Yeah. And if we're lucky, we'll get five years – Four years for sure, five years maybe out of Koulibaly. So we're also going to be have we're also going to have to look at center back shot options in the near future as well. So maybe going after a young guy isn't necessarily the best choice right now. We just need somebody that's going to come in and that's going to fit. We already have two nice young center backs that we can kind of grow and allow to mature into the position. Chalaba and then Colwell. You could even throw in Ampadu if you want in that conversation too. So for me, it just doesn't make sense to go after another young guy. We should mm-hmm. be going after another experienced, you know, international type player like a Skriniar or Kimpembe that could come in and sort of like not just drop wisdom on those players, but set an example on the pitch itself. They'll yeah. come in and hit the ground. Guys like that, Kimpembe, Skriniar, there's no doubt that I think maybe they won't hit the ground running their first two, three matches. But across the whole season, you'll definitely see them come good and you'll definitely see their quality because they're amongst the best. So. That's just my take on the whole entire thing. But the, the young guys are more of like a season two or po- like Project second players. second summer window in mm-hmm. the rebuild that is this squad over. Because again, we are not recharging like people thought we were going to do. Because Boldy was going to throw mad cash. We are rebuilding officially. Like Tuchel has already made it very clear that this team is a very much a work in progress. So. Mm-hmm. When it comes to rebuilding, you you add a foundation and then you think longevity. And we're not looking at just 36-year-olds. Like you said, Bofa, uh, excuse me, Skriniar and Kempembe are in their late 20s. These are guys that are in, in their prime. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah two things to add, uh, Zach, you were right. It was a it was a, a broken leg on his injury. So yeah, see? That's, so that's, so it's, that's, not, it's not as high of a risk right, to go after a guy like that. And yeah. then um, another thing to add – the Gavardial, um, I think if you were to think of it as more of a, uh, a more of a value signing in the sense that he can play center back and cover at full at, at wing back as well. Um, so that's another position of need. Uh, we, we are desperate for depth at right wing back. And if we're going to say left wing back as well, um, because Emerson, I don't know. I mean, we've been playing Emerson as a left center back, so I don't know right. what the hell is going Who on Who knows here. what Tuchel thinks of him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I would be all for that, Tom, but we have 
on the roster in the payroll five left wing backs. That's my thing. Like I, I'm all for adding depth if if it means that those guys are out of the picture. But on paper, it's still Ben Chilwell, Marcos Alonso, Emerson, Kennedy, and Baba Raman all in the roster, all <laughs> currently still Jeez. So like I'm not if we're looking at wing back depth, let's look at the right side because Gavardio is like apparently super left footed. I, I and and that just limits what the wing back position is supposed to provide from wide. So yeah, I just again summer two. Like if we agree personal terms with them, like hey, we'll come back for you next summer. Like all for it. Planning ahead. You kind of whispered in his ear that you can come back for him later. Great. But, oh, like a Kunde type deal. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I just the, the way we went after Kulubali, right? Like you talked yeah. to Kulubali real quick. Like, <laughs> that hey, was a six-year progress process. <laughs> well, I meant this summer under the new regime. Like, hey, are you? Would you be down to come here? If he says yes, then you go hard for it. Same thing with Sterling. Call from Tuchel. Yo, come back to London. Let's play together. Next thing we know, Oli's talking to whatever the guy's name is that does the business for Pep, and we got Sterling. So instead of Doing these hijacks, which I think Voli has kind of learned that you can agree anything with a club, but then a player can go and do something else. Hopefully the DOF will be in, in place to start doing those kind of phone calls. But yeah, go for the sure thing right now. If we're going to have to add at least one more, I don't think we have time to add two more center backs. So if you're going to have to at least get one, get the guy that's ready made um, in one of those two older options between Skriniar and, and Kimpembe. Yeah, I don't know how much I necessarily agree with that. If you look at the other two center backs that we have in Thiago Silva and Koulibaly, I mean, I don't know. I think the benefit of having an older guy to, you know, set an example, whatever, we don't really need that. We have two of those guys. And buying a young guy for the as a future investment... Um, I think that's that's the right move, but it depends on the guy. It depends on the price. Knowing that Gavardial's left-footed now, it it changes my mind a little bit, but we'll see. Um, so let's talk more about the transfer window. I know that's what we've been talking about pretty much this whole time, but Thomas Tuchel um, had another quote on the window so far. He said, we had an urgent appeal for quality players and a huge amount of quality players. We got two quality players. <laughs> he said quality players three times in a row. No doubt, but we're Intent. not... Com- <clears throat> no doubt. Sorry, we've got two quality players, no doubt, but we're not competitive like this, and you could see that today. Um, yeah, so the Timo, Timo update, we've already discussed that... Um, Juventus and Leipzig seriously interested in taking Timo on alone. Talks expected to continue through the week. I think all of us unanimously agree we want him gone away from the club. I don't care if he likes his, uh, was it spaghetti with ketchup? Is that what he has? No, eggs with ketchup. It's, well, both. I think it's Something both. with ketchup. It was he weird. likes both. I like um, eggs with ketchup. Spaghetti's a little weird. Yeah, and... Uh, but the other player, Hakeem Ziyech, he's another guy who looked like he did not want to be there. Um, the AC Milan rumors have been going on for weeks, and they are still interested, reportedly, but 
there's still been no updates as uh, as of the time of our recording, so I still don't know what's going on with that. Um, you guys can just jump in and like if, if there's anything yeah. you want to add. Well, well, before we continue, just on one thing that I want to make really clear on the lack of like I guess purchasing in the transfer market so far. I'm not blaming Bowley whatsoever for any of these sort of transfer failings, quote-unquote failings. When you look at it, we met Man City's valuation for Raheem Sterling. We met Napoli's valuation for Koulibaly. We met Barcelona's valuation for Jules Koundé, right? And then didn't we also meet PSG's asking price for Kempembe um, as well? We actually met Sevilla's, not Barcelona. Kunde's not Barcelona's yet. Or Sevilla's. Um, he will uh, be soon. Leeds, but, we met but, Leeds' price for Rafinha. Yeah, exactly. And then and then we met the initial asking price on Nathan Ake, I think. And then mm-hmm. he, I guess Pep didn't want to let him go after all. So, so my point being, the ambition's there. I, it's just a matter of Bowley kind of getting the wake-up call that he needs. This is very different than negotiating for a player in an American sport or a sport in an American league, I guess. But it's there. I guess he just kind of has to realize that yes, he's still a big dog in a sense, but he's not the biggest dog on the block. Like in baseball, if you're the Dodgers, the only team that really competes with you salary-wise is the Yankees, from what I understand. Right? You guys could correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not the baseball kind of Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So so they're one of a handful of teams, but you look around Europe, there's 10 teams that could afford the players that you're targeting, and then there's two that are head and shoulders above everyone else in Barcelona and Real Madrid, regardless of how well they did in the prior season, players are just going to kind of want to go there. So I feel like Bully's sort of realizing that now, like, oh shit, even though mm-hmm. we're targeting these top guys, the second Barcelona gives them a phone call, they're not interested anymore. He needs to figure that out now. So... Oh. Maybe kind of, and, and I don't know, but maybe sort of changing the tactic a bit and being like, here's our bid. You have X amount of time to give us an answer, but we're going to plan B. He's not, he's yeah. not really, he's not really like, sense. he's not really like, he doesn't really have that role though for like the Dodgers. I mean, his right. whole world of negotiating comes from the business world. No, and... no, I know, but, I, but but I'm saying he 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 understands. I mean, he, he has still to ne- understand know, how that works like he, in baseball. He's still a negotiator. So he's probably, yeah, he's probably under, you know, a, he was probably under a different impression when he went into the negotiations. I probably didn't yeah. expect it to be so complicated when another club kind of comes in. Well, there, there's more to it now, too, though, right? Like in, in football, you mentioned it, Zach. It's different because in American sports, players get traded, get moved, and they don't have a say. The contract gets moved, and they just have to pack up their bags and go to the next club. Like that's just how it works in the NBA, in the MLB, American sports. MLS. Here, here in, in world football, you have to not only agree to transfer, but then the player has to sign a new contract with you. So there's a second, there's a second level to every transfer. and And I think – the part that isn't getting spoken about enough is, okay, the clubs think of money only. And Bowley has gotten that right. You've said it perfectly. Bowley has offered everyone the money, and the owners of other clubs have said it's a fre- uh, breath of fresh air in that sense. But, but here's the thing. Bowley and the Clear Lake Group and, and Chelsea as of right now under new ownership is a complete 
like blank slate. There is no, uh, we don't have a history, a track record or history of how uh, the new ownership is going to be with the players, what the expectations are going to be. Boldy has already been publicly saying that wage structure will be different now. It's not just your guaranteed weekly salary. There's going to be, you know, uh, a kind of like tiers, like if you play enough, if you win enough, things like that. So these players and these agents might be saying, hey, maybe it's not the time to go to Chelsea because it's it's the new kids in the block trying to do things without really knowing yet. Like Barcelona maybe freaking broke what Laporta was part of the was the president that brought in Pep Guardiola initially to Barcelona and had those that success. You mentioned Madrid, it's Florentino Perez. He's been there for freaking forever. City, Liverpool. City has been rich and has had Pep. And then Liverpool, they already went through their growing pains when they first got Klopp, and they're elite again. So, like, why does a player I care about that though? Like, because, you're comparing well, because, that to a Champions League winning manager in Thomas Tuchel. Okay, we we won the Champions League with eleven players, and then, like, the gap is is still not there. Like, the gap hasn't gotten smaller. And I think again, like, these players have, that haven't come here are going to their pipe dream, like Zach mentioned. And people can argue that, like, you don't know what, like, Chelsea's going to be building a new stadium soon. Maybe they won't be able to pay you later on or continue to build upon. Oh, like, I'm not th- buying that, man. If, if, if they're saying, comfortable, like, if they're comfortable going to Barcelona, like, they they are in way more of a position to possibly not ha- be able to pay I, their players' I think, wages. I, think I, I don't think that's I a think factor. I think it's getting overcomplicated. We've how we've seen it so many times. Real Madrid or Barcelona call, all of a sudden a player wants to go there. Yeah, it's as simple yeah. as that. It's as simple it, it, as it that. It even happened with Aubameyang. Aubameyang, I, I read something that he promised his grandfather on his deathbed that he'd play for Real Madrid if he got the opportunity, and then he jumps at Barcelona. So, like, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And play for free. He played for free as well. <sighs> yeah, exactly. So, like, players will do that just to yeah. get their shot at glory. Look at look at Adama Traore. I know it was kind of a homecoming, but you didn't think that he was saying, like, in his head – Okay, maybe if I put together five or six games, I can like, you know, relive my dream or get my dream back. Yeah, he's back to work. Lewandowski. Yeah, I mean, he's but... he's he's had the most success. Lewandowski's had the most success at Bayern. You know, one of the one of the greatest clubs in the world, and he leaves for Barcelona as well. I mean, I get and immediately the and immediately says that Barcelona is a bigger club than Bayern. So yeah, I mean, it, it's weird. It's weird. I just think. To, to kind of bring it back to the targets, like with the Timo situation, I've kind of flipped the script on how I think of Timo. Um, effort can go a long way, but effort never led to results. So to me, it's like, you know, you're in high school and there's that one kid that he wanted to be in the, the varsity team and he's been on the team every year and he's a senior and the coach keeps him on the team because he's a senior and he has good grades. But like, he doesn't touch the pitch. Like, I don't see how that translates to what we're trying to do. It's like keeping Timo as our most, our second most expensive player now, I believe behind Sterling makes no sense. So loaning him out is a must. Uh, Ziyech, I'm bummed because I really, he was, I think only behind Mount in terms of chance creation last season or the past two seasons. So that one not working out. I mean, the moment that it came out that he was homies with Lukaku and he was going to sign with Rock Nation and he posted that thing that he's doing his own thing, that just screamed interview 
2.0, so get him out as well. Um, I know Tuchel kind of was butthurt and said that, like, I'm not going to negotiate the players that want to go to Barcelona, but I think it would be a huge, um, again, keeping players for keeping them sake, keeping Dave here another season when he's been nothing but respectful. Just let him go right off into the sunset. So those three outings, I, I hope they happen. Now, in terms of the ones that we can't move, being Mishi, Barkley, Kennedy, Baba Raman, just buy out their freaking contract. It's one year. Just get them off. They should not be anywhere near this team. They should not be in the dev squad. Like, I don't want to see their team, their name in the team sheet, period. If you want to argue for Kennedy, who had a good preseason for what is worth, maybe. But the other names, like, I don't want to hear, oh, Barkley wants to make the England team for the World Cup. He's not even in the <laughs> Get the fuck He's out not of in here, the yeah. Sorry. Come on. The bus, the, bus, the bus lost all its wheels. The it bus was left the station. Life in the dumpster. The bus is no longer a bus. It's just a booty, and that's it's it. In a junk, it's in a junkyard. And, <laughs> and like, Baba Ramen, I don't even know where that dude's been for the past three years. So get him off the books. And Mishi, honestly, like – he probably will make the Belgium team somehow. He always is there. So, like, just let him go. He'll sign somewhere. Dude, we I, might I honestly need Mishi. We <laughs> might need him, bro. I'd I, I, I rather test Brothers <laughs> out than, than Mishi any, any longer. The, the preseason taught me enough that Mishi has zero chemistry with anyone on this team. And when he does get the ball, he still somehow fucks it up. So, like, the I don't only... care about that one video in training where he did something cool. Get him out. The only thing Mishi did well, he doesn't do anymore. <laughs> the only thing he was good for us in the past was a penalty area poacher, being a penalty yeah. area poacher. And now he can't even do that anymore. So, like, he's gone. And and by the way, I'm just going to point this out completely off topic, but I love how we've been, what, this is our fifth, fifth season or sixth season of the podcast now? And we've never mentioned Baba Raman's name a single time, and Andres mentions him <laughs> twice I in the same Listen, podcast. I don't know where he's been the last six years. You said three years. I don't know I'm where just, he's been. But that's the point. We are still talking about players from three managers ago. Well, what other team has that issue of unwanted players from three managers ago? Only, Tottenham moved those players. Only United Barcelona, players. Real Madrid, and that's it. And like, those are good players that they've kept around. <laughs> they're just right. good players that they bought better players over. Like, yeah. In, why are we the only team that like, oh, we can maybe turn profit on these guys, extend them five more years. It's okay. Keep the hope. It's like, no. Take your loss. Lukaku was a good first step. But like, there's way more to get rid of here. I promise Harvey you guys. Harvey Bale will do more for this team this season than Mishy. I'll put that. I'll put my money on that right now. He'll score more goals than Michi. I'll put and that. He'll do yeah. Way more than Michi Bachuai. Yeah. I got. I, I got twenty bucks on that, Andres. Michi Bachuai scores more than Harvey Ville. For Same. Chelsea. Has to be for yeah, Chelsea. For Chelsea. Yeah, for Chelsea. Yes. He. I okay. The first part of my bet or was that we won't get rid of Michi. He will stay and he will play. God. And now the second part will be he will score more goals for Chelsea. I think that goes Double for Billy Gilmore if he got the... Scoring more than Broja. Hmm? On air. Would you double the money that he scores more than Broja? No. Harvey Vale, no. though? Yeah, for sure. No, not Harvey Vale. <laughs> I'm talking Mishi Broja. No, that... No, I'm not doubling that. But I'm saying I'll take the Vale right. one. Wow. 
Twenty dollars. Andres is trying to fuck some. Carabao Cup. <laughs> just hear me out. Carabao Cup. That's the worst that's bet. Mishi's that, that's Mishi's wasteland right there. That's like you telling Sam, hey Sam, I will bet you next year that the Lakers are better than the Clippers. Like, what are you gonna do? I'll take that. You're gonna take fucking it, in a second. <laughs> it's stupid. Double or nothing. Double um, or nothing. Um, hey, really but, quick though. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I think the same point can be made about Billy Gilmore and Ross Barkley. Like, are you really yeah. telling me if you keep Billy Gilmore around the squad and play him the two or three appearances Ross Barkley will get the entire season that Billy Gilmore won't be better? No, and not just that. Apparently, the players were pissed when they got the the news that Billy was sent to the developmental squad. Like, first team players were like shocked. What like, the hell? What, what do you mean that Billy's no longer in camp? So. There's a lot. There's a lot to happen now. I mean, everyone's back in England. Maybe Billy will be part of the team in in Udinese. Maybe he's off to Everton for a season long loan. Who knows? Maybe it could just be fitness. Maybe he's just he needs more time. I don't know. If if the return of the if okay like I'll ask this because I I don't even put it on here, but people are jumping on the fact that the back four didn't work against Arsenal. I think that that was not the right group to be testing that with or the moment to do so. But if that's even in the works, you shouldn't get rid of Billy Gilmore. Yeah. Because at this point, we're going to have to play with the Regista with a back four because we don't have a proper DM. So it's Jorginho or it's Billy. I don't want to put, I don't want to waste Kovacic there. Kovacic does nothing there. So you yeah. wouldn't put Kovacic there. You wouldn't put RLC there. You wouldn't wouldn't put Mount there or Conte. Maybe Ampadu. If Maybe Ampadu. Maybe. Hey, before before we wrap up, Andres, you talked about that that kid who had you know all the ambition but wasn't good enough to play in high school. Be honest, yeah. was that you? Was that you in high school? Timeout. No, nope. I was the captain of my my high school soccer team. Thank you very much. Uh, it, it sounded really personal. That's the only reason why. I oh asked. no, like, no, very I was specific. I was thinking of a buddy of mine who, like, when as we were growing up, he was always on the team, and then like when we got to high school, he kind of just capped out, and the younger kids are better than him. And at first, mm. it was just kinda like he was really upset, but then it's like, I mean, it <laughs> took you this far, like it's. Sorry, buddy. It's nothing personal. <laughs> Charm will take you so far in life. It's like the the coach's son, you know. Yeah. The coach's son that makes coach's son always sh- sucks. Yeah. I've never played with a hey. coach's son. Actually, only only one player I could think of who was a coach's son who was who was good. Everyone else. Pretty my, much. A, my dad was my coach one year at AYSO. Okay, so don't. <laughs> there's always there's an exception <laughs> to every rule. Be, That's... Before we. Before we kind of close off, I kind of wanted to put a fun question out there in the atmosphere because it's been kind of like abysmal mood. We're just kind of down in the dumps and trying to find silver linings. We have to get one more attacking option, like into this side one way or another. Do you guys have any names? Don't don't give me like, oh, we're linked to so-and-so. Like, think maybe slightly realistic that could come. And play one. for Chelsea. I got one. Go for it, Zach. Leroy Sané. Okay. Neymar. Left-footed player. Could cut it off the right-hand side. Can also play on the left. Did it could under play City. on the left. He could actually just 
he could play. He's he's pretty good with both feet, but I mean, he has the pace. He's the right profile. He's already done it in the Premier League before. Yeah, I I would love I I would love if we can do something like that. Maybe that gets the best out of Kai. Maybe having like a another German up there that's actually good will help him. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Without thinking about it too hard, that that that'd probably be the first name that come, came into my mind. So Neymar, let's make it happen, baby. <laughs> oh God, I, 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 you guys remember those rumors? It lasted for like two days. Yes. If, if we get if we get Neymar, one person said that they were trying to get him off the books immediately. I'd love that. Honestly, I'm as interested in the Neymar rumors as I was in his Netflix documentary. I stopped watching it after 16 minutes. So the Netflix doc wasn't bad. It's Pogba. It, it wasn't. Terrible. It wasn't worse than the Pogba one. I can yeah. assure you that. Much. Oh God. I mean, I haven't really seen it. I haven't awful. seen it, but like, how bad can a documentary be? It's about but his it's life. Not. Like, what? like. It's cringy. It's yeah. It's, oh, it makes you God. unnecessary. Like Pogba's thing, it's like all present tense. And it, uh, sorry, I'm getting off topic here. Um, to give you guys a quick name, I mean, Bowen is out there. I don't know how much West Ham wants to deal with us right now. He could be, Sheesh, be something fun. Um, He's gonna want starting minutes though. That's the only thing. I mean, and if we switch, well, so if we switch our formation, if we switch our formation, it's possible. Um, I think I think Sane has more quality. Oh, I agree. Overall. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, the thing I'm I'm thinking about with Bayern is like they just lost Lewandowski. Like, are they gonna sell offensive talent? That's the the catch there. So, well, supposedly, everything that I was reading said that Tuchel was the one that pushed for Lewandowski. So maybe Tuchel wants to get a striker. What if What if we just say fuck it, Leipzig, you take Timo. And we'll give you some extra cash on the top and give us some kungu. Not happening. Love that. Zero chance. That's I, mean, I, that would just be another bust ready to happen. Honestly, I'm I'm not ready for that. That's that's my like main target, especially for my DLF pot, and no. I still stand by it. Buyers are I, I don't think it happens this year. Zero the fact chance. That no, the fact that nobody else is going in for him is kind of worrying, though. Because they they priced him out. They said yeah, no. They just resigned him. If it's right? not over a hundred million, didn't they yeah. just sign him to a new contract too? No. Here's a name, Rafa Leal, pricey. Well, that's oh, that's yeah, way too much. The player, another player of the season from the Serie A, too soon. No thanks, too soon. <laughs> I'm not ready to dip back into the offensive pool of the Serie A. Um, hey, Diego Costa's a free agent. <laughs> Wait a second. You're you you have us busy making threesome sex tapes. Yeah. Wait, you're you're worried about buying another serial play of the year, but you don't have any buyer's remorse from buying the, the top goal scorer out of Leipzig? Like I have just as much remorse from buying Timo I, I mean, I said no to Nkunku as well. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying like the last two flops were like you said, a guy that was scoring everything at Leipzig and then the serial player of the year. So Leao is fun. He's entertaining. I'm, it just worries me. And I know he's a great talent. It just I'm not going to lie to you. It worries me. Here's a weird one. I'd rather, I'd rather find a no name in, in Liga Nos because so far, Liga Nos players ball out in the Premier League. Oh, what's his name? Uh, Mateus Nunes. What's his name? Mateus Nunes? Nunes or whatever, the, the center mid. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, yeah, that I hate nice. Bruno, yeah, but he puts out numbers. The, the, the center back, uh, 
Ruben Diaz is a starter for City. You have Luis Diaz for Liverpool's balling out. So, like, I don't know what's going on in the Portuguese league, but they have guys that are just – they have grit. I don't know. Outside shout, Darwin Nunez, hopefully he busts so that he proved this proves my theory wrong. But, hey, he scored four goals last time he played for Liverpool. So, something about Liga Nas. I don't know, man. We'll definitely dive into it, I think, in a podcast that will come up very soon. I think, honestly, I mean, with two weeks left in the season, we're obviously not going to start the season with the same team that will start a match in late September with. But I'm sure there's going to be some names that pop up. The, the Timo rumors could could heat up in the next couple of days. You got to keep your eye on the Dave space as well. There's They're going to have to make a decision on that sometime soon. So. The second players start leaving, players will start coming in. Um, but do you guys have anything else to add before kind of sign off here? So I'm shaking his head. Andres, you good? All right. Well, um, that kind of wraps up this podcast. So make sure you guys are following us on Twitter, uh, at Blues on Parade. Um, make sure you look out for our next podcast. We'll probably record something later this week or early next week. Uh, just to kind of catch you up on whatever news happens between now and then. So make sure you're looking for that. Um, We're available on all major platforms in case you're wondering. And until next week, we'll keep the blue flag flying high.